From the newsrooms of the Sydney Morning Herald and The Age, this is Please Explain. I'm Samantha Selinger-Morris. It's Thursday, January 25th. Yesterday, Donald Trump won the Republican primary election in New Hampshire. He beat his only remaining rival, Nikki Haley. And with this victory, Trump declared that he's now his party's presidential nominee. This status won't actually be made official until the National Republican Convention in July. But one thing is for sure. Trump is now one giant step closer to returning to the White House. Today, Bruce Wolpe, senior fellow at the United States Study Center, on whether Nikki Haley could still be a threat to Trump. And whether the multiple charges Trump faces will stop his presidential bid. So, Bruce, results from the New Hampshire primary are in. What can you tell us about what happened there yesterday? Uh, Donald Trump clinched a nomination during the primary yesterday, and he will be the Republican nominee. It was a decisive victory. Nikki Haley thought she could win, potentially have a miracle breakthrough. She didn't. She thought she could come close. She didn't. And so it really shows that Trump has complete control over the Republican Party, and he will formally claim the nomination in March when enough of these primaries, which is like pre-selections here in Australia, occur. And he ramps up over half the delegates necessary when they meet in July to be formally nominated. But he's in and it means a 280-day presidential campaign against Joe Biden. Okay. And so for our Australian listeners, can you perhaps paint us a picture of what the atmosphere was like in New Hampshire yesterday? Well, what's, it's, it's very special because it's small very community-oriented state, sort of like Tasmania in in its own way. And uh, people are very involved in the politics, and they like to send messages. And it's uh, retail campaigning, which you don't get once you finish these small early primaries. It all goes national. The advertising is national. You're going after, you know, California and Texas and Florida and so forth. So it's sort of exciting. And uh, all the media is there, but they're covering something very small. And so you have people paying real attention to what New Hampshire is thinking. And this really was crucial. And the historical point that was done today by Trump, no one in the past 50 years has won both Iowa and New Hampshire. So this is a first. Going into the two first two primaries, the polls were saying no one who's been so far ahead as Donald Trump has lost a nomination. Well, he just sealed that. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Whoa. I think he feels like King Kong, and I think he wants to climb Trump Tower and stand up there on the top and beat his chest and say, I'm the king. We have beaten Biden. You could almost say, who can't? Who the hell can't? And it is a measure of his, again, dominance of the Republican Party that he could win Iowa and New Hampshire. 200,000 people have voted, and the race is over for the presidential nomination. Wow. Okay. And so before we talk about what it all means for the Republicans and the presidential election going forward, I'd love it if you could break down the New Hampshire vote a bit further. I mean, what are the exit polls telling us about who's behind Trump and who isn't? The results showed what we already knew, that especially among non-college voters, Trump is completely dominant. Moderate votes were there for Nikki Haley, but not in sufficient numbers. She wanted to beat him, if possible, really stage an upset. And secondly, if she couldn't do that, she wanted to become close. She didn't come close enough. It looks like Trump is going to win with a 10-point margin. Trump is very happy. And in his remarks afterwards claiming victory, he was really angry that she hasn't gotten out of the race. He was really angry that she had the moxie to stand up to him. God is so good all the time. Now, you've all heard the chatter 
among the political class. They're falling all over themselves, saying this race is over. This race is far from over. There are dozens of states left to go. And he still wants to squish her, even though he did in this primary. Who the hell was the imposter that went up on the stage before and, like, claimed a victory? She did very poorly, actually. And is it right that he actually won in every age group among men and women and also among white and non-white voters? Yes. Uh, he wants to show complete uh, control. Again, th- this D word keeps coming up, just dominance of all the constituencies in the Republican Party. And behind that is loyalty. Who is for me and who is against me? He is certainly intimidating all the other candidates into endorsing him. Ron DeSantis drops out of the race late last week. He endorses Trump. Nikki Haley's not going to drop out of the race, but he absolutely wants her endorsement, and he's going to continue to rubbish her until he does. Tim Scott, the black Republican senator from South Carolina, her state, uh, got out of the race, and he endorsed Trump. Haley may still contest South Carolina if she can have enough money to do that. I think she probably does, but she'll get squished. Trump brought the South Carolina governor the two South Carolina senators to New Hampshire to campaign with him. And so Haley's going to be crushed in her own state. Does she really want that? No. So, Bruce, what does this New Hampshire result actually mean for the Republicans? I mean, how likely is it that Trump will be the Republican nominee officially? And is Nikki Haley still a threat to him? Yes and no. He will be the nominee. All the other competitors have retired from the field. She is the only one. She cannot win from here. Uh, All the other states that she is going to face, Super Tuesday and so forth, dozens of primaries, she's trailing by 20, 30, 40 points. She's not going to win her home state, as we discussed. And so why is she doing it? A, she wants to stop Trump. Uh, B, she doesn't want him to be president, and she believes her continuing presence actually can help take him down in November. She's certainly not going to endorse Joe Biden, but I think she wants Trump never to be president again. So even the fact that I believe strongest amongst the people who voted for her was what moderates and independents, that's obviously not even going to become nearly enough, you're saying, for her to that's right. go any further. But what's really significant about it is in these first two primaries, about 50 percent of the voters voted for Trump, but 40 percent did not. That's where her strength is. So the question is, in November, where does that 40 percent go? They're probably not going to vote for Trump or they're not going to vote. But if Joe Biden can peel off a lot of those Republicans... That would put him in a stronger position. It is quite possible that right now we are seeing the apogee of Trump. In other words, that he is hitting a ceiling as to what his strength and dominance is, and he can't go much further. And we will see in the coming weeks whether that's apparent. She's on the trail, and she's talking about he's getting old, he's misspeaking, he's confusing me with Nancy Pelosi, he's lying, and this, that, and the other. And she's going to keep pounding away at that for at least a month until South Carolina. At some point, that begins to sink in to uh, voters, and particularly these moderate types who didn't vote for Trump. So that could have a negative effect on Trump and how he's standing a month from now or two months from now. We'll be right back. to run because I'm worried about the future of our country and because it's time to put the negativity and chaos behind us. 
She's really focusing on the chaos, isn't it? I mean, she said with Donald Trump, you've got one bout of chaos after another. I believe she said that right after she'd lost in New Hampshire. This court case, that controversy, this tweet, that senior moment, you can't fix Joe Biden's chaos with Republican chaos. That's her shtick, isn't it? Well, that's right. And we are going to have more chaos in the courts. I mean, Trump is going to have a, another hearing in New York soon on E. Jean Carroll and her defamation case about Trump. Uh, there will be a judgment on the business case uh, in New York. His business licenses might be yanked. He may be fined $300 million. He may not be able to do business in New York anymore. And then there are the big cases, particularly in Washington, D.C., uh, criminal charges to Trump try to overturn the 2020 election. That case is probably the, the most important uh, right now. It still looks like that case can be tried before the election. And the outcome of that case, I think, will have an impact on the election. So do we know when that case might likely be heard? It's scheduled for March 4th, but there are some legal challenges, particularly Trump is asserting uh, while I was president, I'm immune. I cannot be charged for anything I did as president. The Supreme Court is going to rule on that in February. And once that ruling is done, then the case can proceed, but not on March 4th. It'll be delayed. It, it can probably be delayed two months and still be done before November. But what Trump wants to do, he wants to make sure, A, there are no significant trials before November, and B, there are certainly no verdicts before November. Polls show that among Republicans, these moderates that you're talking about, Perhaps 25 percent of Republicans say they will not vote for a convicted felon. And you lose 25 percent of the Republican vote, well, even against Joe Biden, that's pretty serious business. And I guess I wanted to drill down just a bit further about all of these legal challenges that Donald Trump is facing. He just recently, I believe, he bragged that he'd been indicted more times than Al Capone, of course, the very famous he Chicago mob boss. Listen, <laughs> you want to talk power? Yeah, that's right. My understanding is he actually got that factually incorrect. And he's got 91 criminal charges against him, in addition to the four criminal trials, some of which you've just mentioned. So... Are any of those likely to block his bid for the presidency? Uh, no. Uh, the, the voters voting for him are clear. Uh, we want Trump. Ron DeSantis is saying, I'm Trump without the baggage. Haley saying, I'm Trump without the chaos. Uh, this is like Coca-Cola. Uh, the, the voters want the real thing. This is my Don Draper moment, okay? The voters want the real Coke, and, and Trump is it. So he says, can I just read a couple sentences from Manchester, New Hampshire, his rally last Saturday night? Every time they indict me, I consider it a great badge of honor. I'm being indicted for you, and never forget, our enemies want to take away my freedom because I will never let them take away your freedom. That's what binds him to his base, and that's what his base wants to hear, and that's why his base is there. But what happens if one of the criminal trials that's slated for February or for March, he might delay, but what if one of them actually does get heard before November and he's convicted? I think that's pretty serious business. I think there will be a wave of Republican leaders who say, we just can't do this. The leadership of the party has to take control over who their nominee is. Now, this is unprecedented territory. It's never happened before. It's unprecedented how many times we're saying the word is unprecedented with Donald Trump. Yeah. <laughs> but they will be faced with a dilemma of sorts. But in any event, there is a political hit that will happen if you have a convicted Trump facing Joe Biden. And there's no upside to being convicted going into a general election. And just curious, I mean, I realize this is unprecedented. It hasn't happened that you've had a presidential nominee who's been convicted of... It's also unprecedented what has happened. He was impeached twice. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but let's just say he is convicted of, of one of these crimes, these very serious crimes, uh, before the November election. You've mentioned that politically it'd be problematic, but what about legally? I mean, what does the Constitution say about someone in that position then vying for the presidency? Uh, he is not barred under the Constitution from going for the presidency. Uh, for the 
the founders, all, all white men, by the way, the founders Surprise. never imagined that one of them could be convicted of a felony and run for president. It was like inconceivable, unprecedented. And so, and so no, there's no provision. The Constitution says you have to be 35 years of age and a natural born citizen. That's kind of it. Basic. That's it. Real basic. Okay, yes. they perhaps weren't thinking ahead. Uh, no. It, it, well, it took the Civil War for them to put an amendment in saying, if you engage in an insurrection against the United States, you can be barred from the ballot. That came 100 years later. Okay. And so I guess where to from here? What does this result, I guess, mean for Nikki Haley's chances? I mean, is it likely she's just going to pull out of the race? No, she's done. I mean, at some point she will leave the race. The question is how much damage to Trump can she do before she exits the race? But the other question is we're now in a general election campaign. It's now from today. It's now Trump versus Biden. So the question is what's Biden going to do? And Biden has a lot of headwinds. Age is the biggest one. He walks old. He talks old. He looks old. Uh, he slurs some words. He, he stutters. So how effective is Biden going to be? And he has to show that he has not only staying power, but he can truly take the fight to Trump and win. Now, he believes on the democracy issue, which Trump, and there's no doubt that Trump poses as Biden sees it a threat to American democracy. And then on other issues, he was in Virginia overnight talking about abortion rights. And that is a driver of Democratic victories in elections. It was in the, in the midterms, and it has been in state referenda. Should we have abortion rights protection in our constitutions in Ohio, Kentucky, Kansas? That happened. Those are Republican states. So Biden has a lot of work to, go, to do to show that he has as commanding a presence as Trump does. And so what's sort of speculations happening now with regards to who Trump might choose as a vice president? I think uh, I think Trump really wants to choose a woman because uh, he, he has, a, he has a, a woman voter problem and he wants to uh, fix it. And there are three. Uh, Elaine Stefanik is number four in the House leadership, upstate New York. Uh, she has become a 1,000 percent Trump backer. We have Kari Lake in Arizona, who is running for the Senate. And we have uh, Christy Nome, the governor of South Dakota. She invited Trump out to Mount Rushmore and said to him, you know, your, your, your face should be up on Mount Rushmore. Trump loved that. And, uh, but what he particularly wants is loyalty. He doesn't want any repeat of Mike Pence, who was with him for four years. But on the last day, he said, no, I'm not going to help you overturn the election. He's, and so he knows, and, the, and everyone being selected knows, they have to show complete, absolute, subservient loyalty to Donald Trump. There are some others. Tim Scott, the black senator from South Carolina, that could be. Imagine a Tim Scott-Kamala Harris debate. That would be pretty good. These primaries, are we're going to be watching them so closely. So thank you so much, Bruce, for thank joining you, us. Sam. Wonderful to be here. Today's episode of Please Explain was produced by Tammy Mills, with technical assistance by Chi Wong. Our executive producer is Ruby Schwartz. Please Explain is a production of The Age and the City Morning Herald. If you enjoy the show and want more of our journalism, subscribe to our newspapers today. It's the best way to support what we do. Search The Age or smh.com.au forward slash subscribe. I'm Samantha Selinger-Morris. This is Please Explain. Thanks for listening.